as I was writing this lesson uh, before we went on our trip, I thought, you know, I, I tend to be a little hard on people. Uh, in, in my sermons, it seems as if I, I lay a guilt trip. At least that's kind of the way I, I feel sometimes. But I, I wanted to say this. God loves you. You wouldn't believe how much God loves you. Uh, I don't understand why he loves us the way he does. I, I just don't get it. But he loves us enough that he sent his own son so that he could have that relationship once again that he had with Adam and Eve in the garden. In fact, the whole scripture is, is about that fall and everything getting back into relationship again. And Jesus loves you too. If he didn't, he wouldn't have died on a cross. He had an opportunity. Satan offered him all kinds of paths out. Now, it may not have turned out the way it has now, obviously, because if it hadn't been for his sacrifice, we wouldn't have the opportunity for salvation. But that's another indication of how much he loves you. And as, as we kind of transition into to what I'm going to talk about today, it's obvious I'm going to talk about the Beatitudes. I'm not going to give you a lesson on each Beatitude. I, I continue to be drawn to the, to the, not only to the Sermon on the Mount, but especially the Beatitudes. And, and I'm not going to take each one individually because, I mean, we could spend... Uh, weeks talking about that. But I would be remiss if I do a, ser a sermon series or, or a theme on Jesus if I didn't talk about the Beatitudes. Because I think it's at the core of his teaching. And I, I, as I said, I'm continually drawn to this. But I think it's interesting as we look at this passage in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus doesn't say, if you're meek, then you will be saved. If you're pure in heart, then you will be saved. It's not a call to, to salvation. It's a call to holiness. It is a call to us to be the kind of people that we should be. At the end of the book of Malachi, which is the end of the Old Testament, there's some very interesting words. He says, but also look ahead, I'm sending Elijah the prophet to clear the way for the big day of God, the decisive judgment day, and he will convince parents to look after their children and children to look up to their parents if they refuse. I'll come and put the land under a curse. The NIV says, I will strike the land with total destruction. That's the way the Old Testament ends. But then you come to the New Testament and you have this beginning 
of blessedness. Jesus comes along and he teaches blessed. And we are truly blessed. And some even translate it as happy. I really don't like that translation uh, because really it's more of a blessed. In, in fact, William Barclay, in, in his translation of, of, of the Beatitudes, he, he says it's an exclamation. Oh, the blessedness of one who is meek. Each of the Beatitudes is in the present tense. It's not a, well, I hope you can make this. It's not a, well, this is the way you were, but... I love the way Charles Spurgeon puts it. He says, there's not one step in the whole divine experience of the believer, not one link in the wonderful chain of grace in which there is a withdrawal of the divine smile or an absence of real happiness. Blessed is the first moment of the Christian life on earth, and blessed is the last. Blessed is the spark that trembles in the flax, and blessed is the flame that ascends to heaven in a holy ecstasy. Blessed is the bruised reed, and blessed is the tree of the Lord, which is full of sap, the cedar of Lebanon, which the Lord has planted. Blessed is the babe in grace, and blessed is the perfect man in Christ Jesus, as the Lord's mercy endures forever. In the same way will our blessedness endure. Each of the Beatitudes is a paradox. Jesus tended to speak in paradoxes. Is that a word? Paradox I? I don't, I don't know. Jesus ten, tended to speak in paradoxes. He would say things like, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it, to me at least. If you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. He says, if you lose your life, you'll find it. All throughout Scripture, Jesus' teaching seems to be that of paradoxes. And this Sermon on the Mount, these Beatitudes seem to all be paradoxes. When you look at it and you see things that say things like, you know, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. If you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled. It, like I said, it just doesn't make sense. And you don't have to go beyond the first one to see the paradox. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And that word we, we have in the Greek language, poor means utterly, completely destitute. And you would think that someone who is completely destitute, someone who is completely poor, not necessarily with riches, although some commentators say, well, he is talking about that. But he's talking about spiritual deprivation. And he says, you know what? It's those who have the poorness of spirit. Those are the ones that have the kingdom of God. I think we kind of miss that point because we don't really understand the word kingdom. You see, we live in a public, a republic, 
I hear people say all the time, a, a democracy, but really it's not a democracy. It's a representative republic. We don't have a king and a queen. We don't have a royalty. But Jesus says, blessed are those who are spiritually destitute, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Each one of these is a paradox. But I want us to understand that it is the standard for all Christians. It's not for the spiritually elite, if there is such a thing. It's not for those who have achieved. It's the bar that Jesus set for all his disciples. Randy Harris, uh, whom I I love to hear speak, uh, meets weekly with a group of people. And, and this is what he said that he did. He takes each one of the Beatitudes and he says, all right, this week you're going to work on this one. And when they come back, they talk about it. And he says, it's not nearly as easy as it sounds, is it? And when you look at it, it really isn't. Blessed are the poor in spirit. How are we doing on that? Do we really see our spiritual destitution? Do we really see how poor we are without the Lord? Blessed are the merciful. How are we doing as merciful people? I got to tell you, I got to work on that one. Because you see, I, I want justice. Every time I see a car drive fast, you know what my comment is? Where are the police when you need them? Get that guy. But if I see the lights in my rearview mirror, I think, you know what? I need some mercy and grace. I'm sorry, sir. I was, you know, there's a reason for that. But there was another guy who was driving a whole lot faster than me. I think you ought to get him. Blessed to the pure in heart. I think we get the point. The Beatitudes are there to help us see the contrast between the world and Jesus. On what are we setting our sights? I quote this passage all the time because it's my favorite But I think it illustrates the point. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are being, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. And what is unseen is eternal. I was watching the news this morning. Do you know the queen has COVID? Queen Elizabeth has COVID. That's terrible. Charles has it. So does Camilla. Does that really matter in the whole scheme of things? 
Oh, yes, we're sorry that they have that. But what's really important? I started thinking about that point. What is really, really important in our lives? Is it the way we look? Is it what we wear? Is it how people perceive us? What is really important? When I uh, worked in my other life for uh, Christian colleges, I worked at Ohio Valley College, and, and uh, I thought I was pretty important, but uh, I learned real rapidly that I wasn't. But I would sit down, and I would have a publication schedule. I would work out a calendar, and I would say, we have to have this here this month. We have to have this on this date. We have to have this. We had a uh, a PR guy, his name was Bob Woodruff. Bob is, has died uh, since. But I was noticing as I gave Bob my calendar that as time passed, I didn't get the things that were on my calendar. He wasn't keeping up with my calendar. And I went to Bob and I said, Bob, I'm supposed to have this on this date. Where are we on that? And he kind of laughed. And he looked at me and said, you need to decide what you really want. And it really wasn't fair to me. I wanted everything a certain way and in a certain pattern. And, and he says, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. So of all these things, what do you want? Of all the things in life that you have to deal with, of all the things that have happened, of all the for lack of a better term, arguments that you've had, for all the decisions that you've had to make, for all the money you've had to spend, I want to ask you what is really important. Because that's where we're to fix our eyes. That's where we're to see because the things that we fix our eyes on he says, I want you to fix your eyes on what is unseen and not what you see. I know it's not what you thought. But Jesus says, here's the holy life that I want you to live. Which leads us into our next thought. Remember John's response to those who came to him for baptism? He called them a brood of vipers. He said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And those were Pharisees and Sadducees. Those were religious people. Those were people who said they were doing what God wanted them to do. Who gave Jesus the most problems? During his ministry, it was the religious people of his day. Because you see, their faith was superficial. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He quoted Isaiah. They were only in it for political gain. But he tells them in the Beatitudes, this is the way that Jesus, that God's disciples... 
sometimes I think we get so caught up, even in our religious arguments, that we forget what love is. We forget what's really important in life, and we forget that we're to love one another and to have mercy on one another and to be pure in heart, to be those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But it's also an introduction to kingdom thinking. And once again, I want you to see the contrast between the end of the Old Testament, destruction and doom and a curse, and the beginning of the New Testament where he says, you're blessed if you do this. Instead of dependence, Jesus taught, or independence, or self-dependence for that matter, Jesus taught us about dependence on the Father for our reward in heaven. Instead of trying to be happy at any cost, Jesus offers his comfort from sin. Instead of power, Jesus tells us to be meek. Instead of fulfilling our own personal needs, Jesus tells us to be filled with righteousness. Instead of rolling over everyone, Jesus taught us to be merciful. Instead of being deceitful, Jesus taught us that God's truth is found in his word. Instead of peace by force, his teaching was to be people who sought peace. And he called us to be totally committed, no matter what happened. All of us have been called to follow him. All of us have received the words that Jesus wrote or said, and we have them in written form in Matthew, possibly in Luke. I happen to think they're two different things. But he calls us to a higher level of holiness than we ever thought we could achieve. And they're found in the Beatitudes. And my encouragement to you today is to take those and to try to insert them into our lives every day and to try to become more and more like Jesus. We have an, uh, a song selected for you. We call it an invitation song. It's to invite you to this journey that we're all, or at least we should all be on. Sometimes it's difficult. Jesus never sugarcoats it and says, oh, it'll be easy. He just says, you'll be blessed. He doesn't say, oh, everything will be just fine. He says, oh, the blessedness of those who try to live the holy life. And if you need to be one of his disciples, if you need to follow him, you can begin that journey today. Don't delay any longer. Would you come as we stand and sing this song?